are you with Julian on the brown note doing my third review in a row because uh, I haven't done anything on YouTube this year until today I've already spoken for like 40 minutes over two movie reviews and it's not going to probably get any better a review of the freaking Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, it's weird that I reviewed Blonde at the start of this very long hour given um, Andrew Dominic has made so few films this century over such a long period of time, often seven years, ten year gaps in between films. And they've all been these big artistic statements. Well, so it's the same with this guy as well, Mike Madonna. It's still bizarre that In Bruges is his first film. Um, this has become initially very famous for the fact that it reunites um, the two stars, Colin Farrell and um, uh, Brendan Gleeson, with the director again after In Bruges, his debut film. Almost the same way as Mads Mikkelsen, um, I can't remember the film, but Another Year reunited him with the guy that he made a film with again about 10 years ago and gave us another masterpiece in Another Year. In Bruges was fantastic. A it's interesting that he made Seven Psychopaths and uh, Andrew Dominic made a very similar film at exactly the same time, which I'm just going to look up. I can't believe I forgot it. So they both came out within a year or so of each other. Killing Them Softly was 2012. And Seven Psychopaths was 2012. They both made the same film at the same time. Both of them were letdowns. So In Bruges was just this magical black comedy where uh, Brendan Gleeson and uh, Colin Farrell were hitmen hiding out in Bruges after Colin Farrell's character had killed a kid by accident. Um, and it was just incredibly funny black existential very noirish uh lots of ruminations on morality and um you know depression actually was a big element in it again the same here um but seven psychopaths traded a lot of the um, substance that had for the surface level noise that had which was very appealing surface level noise but it didn't make it a classic like in bruges was then we have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I thought that was a very overrated film um, at the time. And I'm not sure what I gave it, um, but I did say at the time I thought it was a very overrated film because everyone did what I expected apart from the, um, the guy from Moon and Iron Man 2 who gave an Oscar-winning performance as the racist cop was fantastic. But everything was in place until the halfway stage, and everything that happened in the second half, I was just, like, putting my head in my hat. Like, the a character, like, just burns down a police station. You'd be, like, the most wanted person in the Western Hemisphere if you did that. And nothing happens. It's just, like, swanning around. Anyway, it, it was certainly not a bad film. Woody Harrelson was great. And um, what's her face got another Oscar for a film? Francis McDormand got an Oscar for a performance that was, for me, about half as good as Nomad Land, the first film to date, the only new release film I gave a straight 10 out of 10 to. 
Um, I thought it was overplayed. I thought that it had lots of great elements strung together, but it didn't come to a poetic, cohesive whole. Um, I did like the end. I didn't like the sort of mid to the last fifth of the film where these crazy, stupid events kept happening and I just thought it didn't really have anywhere to go. But I did kind of like the very end. I would, it's, you know, it's not a bad film. It's, um, it's just not a masterpiece. Um, so he's had five years since that one Best Picture, I believe, and Best Director Oscar, and come back with the Banishees of Inner Sharon. So he's him and Andrew Dominic have both got this sort of long game when it comes to making uh, big films, and obviously Andrew Dominic's Blonde has has crashed quite badly, uh, whereas the Banshees of Inner Sharon has gone. Well, it's going to be one of the most likely winners of Best Picture, and certainly nominated for the lead actors, the director, the writer. He was also the director. The uh, music, the cinematography, you know, we live in the world of travel programs and a remote Scottish island with beautiful music and the great cinematography, it's catnip, isn't it, to, to the modern era. Um, and this, the, the plot is beautifully simple, which is that on this island with, you know, a few hundred people, the made up inner sharing off the coast of Ireland during the Irish Civil War in like 1920 uh, you've got this very small rural community right on the coast you've got a bloody house on the beach in this and it gets burnt down um, just magnificent um, Colin Farrell goes to see his friend uh, Brendan Gleeson on his way to the pub like they do every single day and uh, Gleeson ignores him <coughs> and eventually he comes out and says I don't like you anymore that is the story of this film and I'm so happy that it didn't try and push any more information into that world other than you know well you, you think that maybe there's some horrible thing that's happened that split them up but I just think you're a bit dull and I'm wasting my life in the conversations I have with you is somehow much more painful than I killed your wife or something like that you're dull like this is this is like one of the most heartbreaking things that anyone can hear I don't I choose not to spend time with you I, it's not that you did something it's you <coughs> and that's hard and that the rest of the film pans out with them unable to avoid each other and things becoming more extreme when Brendan Gleeson's like I really really mean it when I don't want to speak to you anymore and if you speak to me again, I'm going to start cutting my fingers off. He does. <clears throat> Which is a little bit extreme, but it's very indicative of the subconscious story of this film, which is the Brendan Gleeson depression story. Um, there's, a great, there's a great joke about the title of The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, about how he writes a song called that, and he, it doesn't mean anything. He just likes the way the words sound which I thought was very, very self-aware. Um, this is actually, it's, it's not a film about Colin Farrell. It's a film about Brendan Gleeson um, and depression and um, existential dread. They're the, they're the true um, main characters of this film. 
Um, and the Brandon Gleeson character is far more in the background this time. He he kind of was the lead in Bruges, in, in Bruges, and um, he kind of shepherded the story around Colin Farrell, whereas this time around, Colin Farrell was way out as the lead character, virtually in everything. Most scenes, he is the lead character, and I don't feel that his story is the lead story. I feel like Brendan Gleeson's story on depression is, which is is continually staring you in the face, but not focused on directly much. Um, I the thing I love most about this film, um, you know, like the the tropes are relatable. The most related to any film that came out last year this is is with um, everything everywhere all at once both both films about finding that life has no meaning and suicidal depression because life has no meaning so what do you do um which is the weird that those two these two films parallel so beautifully uh when they're so different um you know, they'll have this notion that if they go somewhere else and do something else, that their lives will be better. Which isn't explored in depth here. I like the fact it doesn't stray from its purpose at all. It doesn't add superfluous moments or storylines or character arcs. Everything fits very small alongside the main themes of this friend and uh, his best friend falling apart. Um... I thought this was quite a revolutionary story because it takes a love story, a traditional romantic drama, and makes it about two men and their social life. When male relationship films are always about action, uh, consequences, fixing things, here it's about them bearing their souls and finding nothing there are no answers to a lot of these questions and no one's particularly in the right or wrong ever it's you know you can you can judge things like kindness which comes up a lot and i thought that was a very interesting theme about kindness colin farrell is a really good bloke in this really he goes a bit south but he's put under so much pressure that you can forgive him for that and brendan gleason is is pretty bad um, but I also thought he was really ill. Um, I thought this was really mainly a film about blackness and depression, and I felt that in the Bruges as well. Uh, it seems to be themed around something that the writer does focus on a lot. It's probably, and it's also quite a gothic film in that it's not so much events as they progress. It, it feels like that the the problems that Brendan Gleeson has and Colin Farrell has, and the immortal performance by the sister, um, played by uh, Kerry Condon. Um, the, all of their problems are probably existed before they were born, but certainly exist outside of the world of the movie. Uh, and we're just seeing a, a period of time where it all comes to a head. Um, it doesn't I really like the fact that it doesn't focus on poverty porn or you know the 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 environment that they're in it focuses on things that are relatable wherever you live um, 
Farrell's performance is probably his most complete. Um, he is he doesn't need to leave the comedic role and put on a drama, drama hat. He handles both in the same lane really well, really beautifully, and he has to carry most of the film. Um, the other, I thought the the Nick. I mean, um, we don't spend as much time with Gleason. He's deliberately an enigma. But Carrie Condon as uh, Colin Farrell's sister is fantastic. Obvious another um, Oscar nomination there for a best supporting actress, and she's magnificent. And uh, again, she's got so much depth to her character. This unspoken, she's the most obvious character in it. Um, but she is fantastic. Um, I, I saw that Barry uh, Keown, is that the way you say it? Um, he's great, but he is exactly like I imagined that he would be in this, because they're talking him up for awards, and I thought, well, I kind of expected him to be this character, and they, and they write his character the least out of those main ones. Plus, I'm terrified of him after killing of a sacred deer, and I'll never get over that. But his, his performance is, is, is terrific, but... It's the performance I expected. Um, whereas I thought the other characters, I was surprised by more. Um, as for a writing perspective, Martin McDonough's probably done his most complete writing for a film. If um, Three Billboards was all over the shop and in Bruges relied on perhaps more big comedic moments to propel it along, this doesn't rely on anything. Everything is in its right place. Everything, everywhere. All at once in its right place. <laughs> Apologise. Um, it feels like every. It looks like a house is on fire behind me. It's probably a barbecue. Um, the writing here is at a tempo and a level of classical music where it is never rising too much. It's never trying to go for an easy kill. It everything exists as though it is, you know, the perfect shelf where every cup is in exactly the right place and you're not quite sure why, but it just is. That could be the only downfall of the film in that it doesn't attempt to bring any answers to anything. Not really. Um, but that's also its biggest strength is that men try and find solutions to problems. Men try and find problems to find solutions to. Whereas this is just the acknowledgement that, that there aren't any. Uh, and it's a much more feminine take on relationships in that the expression of how you're feeling is so much more important than getting an answer and that there really isn't one. Um, uh, the landscape is beautiful. Uh, it doesn't need to rely on it, but it's stunning. Uh, the music is fantastic uh, by Carter Burwell. The cinematographer by Ben Davis as well is beautiful, and both will get I reckon nominate for Oscars as well. Uh, I reckon it's more likely, I don't know, it's tough. For me, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the number one standout of the film. The Northman uh, won't get hardly any nominations anyway. So it is likely that the the Banshees of Inner Sharon will be up there for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Music, Cinematography and Screenplay. And I would say it's got a fair chance on probably at least a third of those it will win. Um, it's his most complete film. It doesn't, it isn't comedic like in Bruges, comedic where some scenes are drama and some scenes are so funny. There is a continual bubble 
of conversation in this film. It's great writing. It's his best writing over a continual period, start to finish of a film. So a fantastic film, as you probably know it is by now. The Banshees of Inner Sherin, I'm going to give an extremely solid 9 out of 10. Out of the three films I've reviewed, including <coughs> out of the six films I've reviewed over Christmas, I'm not sure they would have troubled my end of year list that much. I might have slotted Black Panther into um, my worst films of the year based on the fact that it's got quite good reviews and people aren't calling it out for being as bad as it actually is, but maybe not. And uh, Glass Onion wouldn't have made my best films of the year, no. Um, so I think this is the only one. It would definitely have been in my top five or six films of the year. And I'm not 100% sure how high uh, right now, but it was, yeah, it's definitely one of the best films ever. Banshees of Inner Sharon, a thickened 9 out of 10.